Hey, hey, what is up, guys? Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of Brian Carter 99, a 49ers podcast. We have got a super depressing episode today. Not super depressing, but uh, any time that your team loses four in a row, it sucks. And I think right now, we just need to accept that the 49ers right now are a shitty football team. It is what it is. You know, there's good teams, there's bad teams, there's average teams, and as high as our expectations were during this preseason, what we have discovered is apparently those expectations were too high, and we just have a bad football team. <laughs> uh, it hurts to watch. It hurts the eyes. Especially this game. This was probably the worst game of this season. Because, you know, the first game, we win it. Awesome. Second game, struggle. Win it. Third game, it sucks, but... You know, at least you're losing a very close game to Aaron Rodgers and you almost won it. He just magically got a, a, you know, game-winning field goal with time expiring. And, you know, Jimmy gets hurt against the Seahawks, so Trey has to come in. And then against the Arizona Cardinals, it's like, well, hey, you got a rookie going up against the undefeated team that's number one record in the NFL. So... You know, those hurt, but they were at least kept close. And, you know, Green Bay and Arizona, like, those are very good teams with really, really good quarterbacks. This was not. <laughs> this was not any of that. This was just quite simply an ugly game where they were just bad. Um, yeah, so we end up losing 30 to 18 in a mud bowl in San Francisco. I think the worst part about this game is I remember, I, I, I remember I put out the podcast late and I was saying, Hey, Here's what we can't do, and here's what I really hope they fix during the bye week, because these are all the issues that they've been having, you know, up until this point. Up until this point, what were the problems? It was, you know, not converting third downs. It was defensive pass interference calls. It was beating yourself. It was inconsistent offense. It wasn't playing complimentary football where the offense helps the defense and vice versa. You know, where you're just all those things that we talked about, all those things where I was like, Hey, if you fix these two or three things, you've got a bye week, rest up, heal, get better, work on some coaching, adjust your schemes. You can fix it. You can make it better. You can turn this thing around against the Colts. A two and four Colts. Two and four. They were two and four coming into this game. And you know what we did? We gave them a W. We were like, hey, I know that we just had an extra week to prepare and we're coming off of our bye week and you're coming to our house. But would you like this W? Would you like this win in your win column? We don't want it. <sighs> so what the hell happened? What happened in this game? It's uh, It was more of the same. A, a couple slightly different things, but pretty much just more of the same. There was some good. I do want to focus on the good because there was some very good in here. There was also some very bad. I would say the the most positive thing about the good and the bad is who. And what I mean by that is that the people who were good are the young players, mostly, that are going to be on this team moving forward. 
and the players who were bad are most likely not going to be here next year. So at the very least, it makes me feel a little bit better knowing that the very bad players on our team are at the end of their contracts or they're filling in on one-year deals. So at least we don't have to worry about these terrible plays happening next season because I'm having a very hard time believing that this team can compete. I I was really hoping so. And like I said, I I believe this team has the firepower to compete, but they're not executing. If they would just show me that they could execute, I would feel so much better. But they still haven't showed it even coming off of the bye week. I thought that that was the perfect time to get right, you know? You're on a three-game losing streak. It's a skid. You know, you, you nip it in the bud. You correct it. You fix it. And then you get back in the win column against a team that you should be able to beat. And we should have been able to beat the Colts. I mean, they didn't play that well. Obviously, they beat us, but their offense wasn't that good. Jonathan Taylor, he's a good running back. But why did we lose this game? We lost this game because of defensive pass interference, which, by the way, we lead the NFL. Check this out. The 49ers lead the NFL in defensive pass interference calls. 14 defensive pass interferences. By the way, we've already had a bye week, and we still lead the NFL with 14. The next, oh yeah, and for 250 yards. These aren't just defensive pass interference calls. These are huge defensive pass interference calls that are happening on third and long. (sighs) So frustrating. So, defensive pass interference, turnovers... And that was pretty much it. That was that was why they won. I mean, their their entire offense was basically we're going to run it with Jonathan Taylor. He'll make some plays, and he did. You know, props to him. To be fair, Elijah Mitchell had the exact same yardage on the same amount of runs. I think they were both like eighteen carries for one hundred and seven yards, so nearly identical. You know, our six-round rookie versus their uh, second-year star. But other than that, it was, hey, I'll just chuck it deep and we'll get a defense pass interference. That was like half of their yardage, which is defensive pass interference calls. Like, it wasn't an impressive offense. The only time that I was impressed by their offense, well, yeah, I, I guess when Jonathan Taylor was breaking multiple tackles, that was pretty impressive. Outside of that, though, they didn't do anything that impressed me. It was just our team making mistakes. And as far as, let's start with that. Who was making the mistakes? I would say that that is the up and down of Josh Norman. So Josh Norman, he was brought in here. Obviously, you know, we have Verrett. He tears his ACL. Mosley's hurt. So we were down to basically nobody at corner. So we bring in Josh Norman. Hey, fair enough. You're bringing in a vet. It is what it is. You're down to, you know, your your third and fourth corner. You need to bring in a veteran who has experience. And he's played mostly solid. But Josh Norman is Josh Norman. And he's going to do Josh Norman things. He is just going to throw fists and make wrong turns. (laughs) And what I mean by that is Josh Norman is all about turnovers, big hits, and bad coverage. (laughs) He had multiple blown assignments where he was supposed to be the, the outside player and he gave up contain and he gave up the edge and he chased a guy the wrong way, or he was trailing in coverage too much. He was busting an assignment practically every other play. But at the same time, like, he forced two fumbles and had at least a couple tackles for losses. So, you know, it's 
it is what it is. I, I think that he should have honestly been a slot corner because of how physical he is and just attacking the run game. It was actually really funny. I was looking at PFF real quick before I hopped on the pod. And uh, his coverage grade for this season is like a 50, which is just trash. It's terrible. I think he was ranked like uh, as the 70th or the 100th corner in the NFL, like just terrible. But his run defense grade was like a high 70s, almost an 80s. So he's like an elite run stuffing outside corner, which doesn't really make much sense. But, you know, it is what it is. One second, my cat's trying to eat something. Sorry about that. My cat was trying to eat my uh, girlfriend's shoe. Anyways, so Josh Norman is out here with an elite run stuffing grade and a absolutely terrible coverage grade. Where is it? Where is it? I got to pull this up here. (laughs) It's better than that. Josh Norman's coverage grade is a 49 and his run defense grade is an (laughs) 89.7. We need to get Josh Norman playing linebacker or slot corner, or better yet, let's put him at defensive tackle because he is an elite run stuffer. (laughs) But he doesn't know how to hold his gap. So he's just constantly like filling, just constantly like not containing on the edge in bad technique, like trailing a guy like three yards behind. Or when he's supposed to be playing off coverage, he's letting the guy get behind him and getting pass interference calls. And I want to rip my hair out. And then two plays later, he forces a fumble. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Josh Norman. Or he sniffs out a screen pass and then he blows it up for negative yardage. And it's like, oh, awesome. That was great. Uh, But yeah, just Josh Norman. What the hell? That guy is, whew, that guy is the definition of variance. So anyways, um, yeah, really frustrating game. You know, you start out, it, it was a lot like the Seattle game. You start out, you have a really good drive. You know, it's just down the field, quick and easy. I think it was eight plays, 78 yards, and a touchdown. And I think it was almost 70 rushing yards from Elijah Mitchell. By the way, Elijah Mitchell amazing game. I think he deserves the game ball. He was probably the the best player that we had on offense. Elijah Mitchell was awesome. Uh just really fun to watch. He was he was shifty. He was elusive in space. He was weaving his way through the backfield dodging tacklers. Just really good job. Runs hard. Uh, didn't fumble. I don't think he's ever fumbled, actually. So he's he's secured the ball really well. But Elijah Mitchell, props to him. So there's a bright spot, you know, Elijah Mitchell. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, this was probably the worst game that I've ever seen him play. And obviously right after the game, I was very frustrated, very emotional. Uh, this was, again, a very depressing win. But that's also why I like to come out here and record the podcast on like a Tuesday or Wednesday as I have a couple days to think about it, stew on it, read some stuff, listen to some stuff, rewatch the game, watch some film uh, to get a better understanding about what's happening. Um, You know me, I'm not necessarily the hot takey kind of person. Not really into hot takes. I'd rather have a informed, educated take. Even if I don't really know what I'm talking about, I try. (laughs) Uh, But Jimmy, wow. This is the worst game, I think, that I remember ever seeing him play. I think his PFF grade was a 46, which is terrible. He continues to drop down basically every quarterback ranking, whether that's the NFL one, the PFF one, the ESPN one. He's basically ranked somewhere between 22 and 30 in terms of NFL starting quarterbacks. 
And if you're in the bottom 10 of NFL quarterbacks, that's bad. And that's based off of his entire season. Based off of this game, if I only watched this game, I would say he is probably a bottom three quarterback. I'm sure there's somebody who's worse than him, but this was a terrible game. He had uh, three turnovers. So he had two interceptions, a lost fumble, and a fumble that he recovered off of a bad snap. One second, my cat decided to do this now. And I'm back. That's what you get whenever you have a hyper little cat and you record things at night as they start running around, chewing on shoes, and making all kinds of crazy noises. So anyways, terrible game by Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Not only the turnovers, but just his throws, his decision-making, just... I don't know what it is, but Jimmy doesn't seem to be able to see the field at all this year. And when he does, he has bad pocket awareness. And even when he does all those things right and he tries to throw this, tries to throw the ball, he can barely throw the ball. I was like, was it really that bad? And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to rewatch the game real quick. Just that like NFL game pass, like 40 minute condensed version. Jimmy was worse than I thought. Literally every single throw this game that went more than like three yards past the line of scrimmage was just like a wobbly floaty, just terrible pass. It was every single pass that was literally like five yards past the line of scrimmage. It was just coming out of his hands, sideways, wobbly, zero velocity or zip on the ball. Meanwhile, on the other side, we're watching Carson Wentz fire at friggin' 30 and 40 yard passes all game and getting huge defensive pass interference calls because he can actually throw the ball while our quarterback is struggling to freaking make a 10 yard pass. It was just, uh, it was pathetic. Just pathetic. Jimmy was so bad this game. And then after the game, he's like, Oh yeah, my calf still kind of hurts, but I was going to play through it and blah, blah, blah. And if he's hurt, like, fine. But you know what? I'm done. I think I mentioned this. Like, I am just, I have emotionally checked out with Jimmy Garoppolo. Nothing that he does excites me anymore. I loved that man for multiple seasons, but he's just been too bad ever since that Super Bowl loss. Ever since the Super Bowl, he has a losing record. So, if your whole thing is, hey, Jimmy G wins... Jimmy has a losing record since the Super Bowl loss. So, you know, he doesn't. And he was ass. He was just straight up ass this game. It was terrible. Just every single ball, just wobbly, floating, no zip, no velocity, inaccurate, like falling short his receivers are having to like dive on the ground behind them trying to catch these passes it was just terrible i just i can't watch it it was so ugly he was so bad and as soon as trey lance is healthy Trey Lance just returned to practice today. So I'm recording this Wednesday. So this was his first practice after, you know, being hurt in the Arizona game. First practice in two weeks. As soon as Trey Lance is healthy, I want him starting because there is no way that you can watch what Jimmy Garoppolo has put on film this season. We're talking through five games, four and a half if you want to count the injury, through four and a half games, he has been bad. He has had, it's like, he'll literally have one or two good drives per game, and the rest of the game, he's terrible. And when Lance was in, whether or not he was 100% in sync or in rhythm or he knew exactly where to put the ball, he made plays. Jimmy doesn't make plays. All he can do is, 
is distribute a ball with short passes in rhythm. And if he can't do that, then he can't do anything. If Trey misses a, misses a throw or, you know, like misread something, like he can run. He can take off and run for 10, 15, 20 yards. If he misses it, he can roll out, buy some time, and then make a 50-yard pass down to Sherfield or Ayuk or Debo or Kittle when Kittle comes back. Like, Jimmy can't do those things. Jimmy needs to be quick, in rhythm, on time, accurate, making the right kind of reads, all that stuff. Jimmy needs to be perfect. And he hasn't been perfect. He's been terrible. He's been bottom 10 quarterback in the NFL. I would personally say, I don't know if I'd quite put him at bottom five, but pretty darn close. And he doesn't have any traits that can make up for that. He literally has to be perfect. And instead of being perfect, he's been horrible. And Shanahan, Shanahan's getting a lot of criticism And I would definitely agree that there is a lot of criticism to go Shanahan's way, but it's primarily due to his coaching and his personnel decisions, not necessarily his gameplay calling, because his play calling is at least creative and interesting. It might not quite be in rhythm, but I think that more has to do with him trying to get two different quarterbacks in, which was a mistake. And we can criticize him for you know, how he's handling the situation or however. But ultimately what it comes down to is Jimmy's not elevating anything and he's dragging everything down and nothing that he does elevates it. So everyone around him has to be perfect. And when not everything around you is perfect, you're going to lose. And that's what's happening is Jimmy is losing games because he's terrible and he and nothing that he does makes up for what's around him. And the rest of the team isn't, he doesn't have a number one defense. Like in 2019. In 2019, when we went to the Super Bowl, we had the number one defense in the NFL. If you want to get nitpicky, fine. We'll say it was number two in the NFL or number three based off of whatever category. Either way, this was a super elite defense. And Shanahan was in the zone with his play calling and he had Kittle and Debo and he had a run game that was working with Raheem Mostert and he had an Emmanuel Sanders who was a solid veteran. And you know what? We're not that good. This team is not that good. And with Jimmy playing that bad, honestly, I don't even know if we can beat the Bears. And that's kind of pathetic because the Bears are really bad and Justin Fields is a rookie and he's having a really rough rookie season. And I really liked him coming out of the draft, but he's struggled. But the Bears aren't good. I don't know if we can beat the Bears. And that's pathetic because they're a bad team. I mean, we're technically not out of the playoffs. Technically, technically we're only one game out because the NFC is basically five really, really good teams. And then a whole bunch of teams in the middle that are like three and three, two and four. Oh, you know what? The one positive is we are the best two and four team in the NFC. You know why that is? Because we're the only two and four team in the NFC. So, yeah, I guess uh, the whole kind of thing with this game was just frustration. Like, everything that we would hope got fixed during the bye, none of it happened. Nothing that we wanted to have happen during the bye got fixed. It was the same mistakes, the team beating themselves. So, I do want to go over some highlights and some lowlights, just some general things. So who was good this game? Who are the positives that we can say, hey, at least we got this guy doing awesome? Aziz. Aziz Alshair, linebacker 51. Dude was on fire. He's been playing really well. And it's going to be difficult for Dre Greenlaw to take the number two linebacker spot. And I like that. Aziz, he was doing awesome. He was 
flying through gaps, blowing up runs, making tackles, making plays. He had the interception that was later ruled a fumble uh, recovery. But, dude, Aziz Alshair, just beast. He was awesome. I love, love, love how much that kid is developing. Because he looks really good. I already mentioned Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell was really good. Uh, One thing that I did notice that frustrated me, especially on the rewatch, was we left the run. It feels like we left the run game and we just we weren't having effective runs in the like the, the middle of the game. It was like we started out and Elijah Mitchell had, I think, 70 out of his 107 yards, something like that on the first drive. So first drive was all Elijah Mitchell. And then we barely went back to him. It was like he had 70 yards in the first quarter, and then he only had 40 yards almost in the entire rest of the game. So I really wish that we had stuck to the run game, fed Elijah Mitchell more. It felt like we were trying to do too much drop. And here's the, this is one where one time where I will criticize Shanahan. If I he had to have seen Jimmy throwing those just pathetic passes. He should have kept being like, Hey, like just fucking run the ball, do some wide zone. When they do the, when they counter the wide zone, switch it up with the inside or switch it up with a counter or do like a power. Um, but like just run the ball cause the b- running the ball was working. And that was something that I wasn't really too sure about because in Indianapolis or, you know, the Colts, they had a good run defense coming into this game, but we ran all over them for the, for the first quarter. I really would have liked if we had ran more because as, because Mitchell was awesome. Speaking of also awesome in the run game, Charlie Warner, dude, Charlie Warner, this game was awesome. I think I remember saying that the kid has taken steps Dude, he had an elite game. PFF gave him an 89, and he was really good. He was crushing it with his blocks. He had a couple receptions. I think he had two catches for like 30 yards. But Charlie Warner was awesome in this game, just crushing it in the run game, crushing it with his blocks, you know, a couple good catches. Just Charlie Warner, hats off. I mean... Dwelly is, I believe Dwelly is on the final year of a contract. So I think he's an unrestricted free agent. Charlie Warner is a second year player. We've still got him for this season as well as two more years. And I mean, the kid can play. He's been, he's taken a big step this second year. And this was probably the best game of his entire career. He looked awesome. Charlie Warner, like, Hats off. Elite Charlie Warner out here. Uh, some other good stuff. Debo had some good and some bad. I, it's difficult for me to give too much shade on Debo just because he's the only playmaker that we have. And he literally is having to do everything. Uh, and he did a lot. He had some really good stuff. I think he had 100 receiving yards. And in a rain game, that's really good. Um, Nick Bosa... Bosa was awesome, as always. Dude, Nick Bosa's such a beast. The kid looks like he was built in a lab. He looks like a superhero, and he's so damn good. (laughs) It's like, dude, he was bred to be an NFL defensive end. (laughs) He's so freaking good. Oh, gosh. And the good side of Josh Norman. The good side of Josh Norman. Remember, the good of Josh Norman. Two forced fumbles and tackles for loss. The good side. Think of the good side of Josh Norman. It'll make you feel better. <laughs> uh, Talano Hafunga also got in there on quite a few reps. I think he had around 30 reps this game. Um, so Or 30 snaps. So he was good. He was overall pretty good. The kid can play. I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised by Talano Hafunga. No, rookie safety and Jaquiski Tart. He uh, had an injury, unfortunately, this game. Jaquiski, he was Tart was pretty good this game. He had a couple, 
a couple bad plays, but overall I thought he played pretty well. He wasn't blowing coverages nonstop like like Norman was. I think overall he was really good. One or a, a couple bad plays, but overall he was pretty good. Just Talanoa Hafanga is playing at a very high level. Again, not super high upside, but just so football, so football savvy. Just you don't expect somebody who's a rookie to be that intelligent when it comes to playing the game of football. It's like I don't know. It's like he's been playing it since he was like two or something. Uh, that was pretty much all the good, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah, not not a whole lot of good this game. Uh, but again, the good the good on this game was mostly the young guys that are going to be here. Aziz should have him. Mitchell, he's going to be here for at least his rookie contract. Debo, awesome. Bosa, awesome. Charlie Warner, awesome. Hafunga, awesome. At least some good came in this game. Also, uh, Jalen Moore. Jalen Moore, rookie, starting at left tackle with Trent Williams out. You know the best thing about that was? Is that I barely heard anything about him. It wasn't that he was constantly getting beat or anything. It was just, hey, we've got a rookie left tackle and he's not a total liability. I think he had one penalty when he got confused and tried to run block downfield when it was a pass play and got flagged for an illegal man downfield. But outside of that... I thought they played pretty well. Just whenever you don't hear a lineman's name on offense, if you never hear an offensive lineman's name called or his number called, that's a good thing. So the fact that he went out there uh, starting, first start as a rookie, he was good. He was good. Again, trying to find some positives here. Uh, Let's get to the bad. So Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Um, Yeah, I already ranted about it, but just Jimmy was so, so bad this game. Just every single pass was just a weak, wobbly, floating, struggle to go five yards through the air, hit the dirt behind your receiver pass. And it was just, it was pathetic. And re-watching it, it was just like, Dude, this is disgusting. At least Lance is going to go out there and fire some freaking rockets, you know? I mean, Lance can Lance possibly be worse than what Jimmy was on Sunday? Jimmy was so bad. So bad. So, so very bad. And I get there was, a, again, I get that it was a rain game, but I don't care because the other guy was way better. And he at least gives some upside. Jimmy makes these terrible mistakes and plays poorly, and he doesn't have any upside to make up for it. He's not athletic. He doesn't have a huge arm. Like, what does he do? Well, he can he can get it out fast. Oh, yeah? Where's he going to throw it? Five yards. Okay, what about ten? Eh, maybe. Maybe if it's like play action, you have a good run game. He's got good time in the pocket. He can set his feet. His ankle doesn't hurt. You know, he doesn't have a bruised calf. Then he might be able to throw it 10 yards. I'm just, I'm tired of this pathetic Jimmy play. Um, Yeah, the other bad defensive pass interferences. Uh, We need to stop this. We really need to stop this. I understand that Josh Norman is going to do defensive pass interferences. Like, I understand that. He's always been like that. But it's literally everyone on defense, which means it's a coaching thing. And what I've heard a lot of people saying, and I see it on the film also, is that our defensive calls, when we put guys in man coverage, they're not confident in their technique, So they're trailing, they put their back to the quarterback because they're playing man, you know, they're running with the receiver. And when they're trying to be in phase and then they're not playing through the hands and fighting at the catch point, they're interfering before the pass gets there. I know that they changed up their drills this week and Shanahan said, um... What did he say exactly? I think he just said it was way too bad. Yeah, way too bad. It's definitely way too bad when you lead the NFL 
in defensive pass interferences. 14. We have 14 on the season. Next closest, Tampa Bay has 10. We have 250 defensive pass interference yards. Tampa Bay has 200. They've also played another game than us. Just, just terrible. So I can accept, I can accept the defensive pass interference calls from Josh Norman if he's forcing fumbles, and at least he does that. At least he's giving us the positive of turnovers. But like the rest of the team, like. Kawan Williams had a defensive pass interference. Emmanuel Mosley had a pass interference. Jaquiski Tart had a pass interference. It's literally everyone, which means that it's a coaching decision, and we, we need to play more off-zone coverages, keep the guy in front of you, stop with this man-trailing coverage, because this man-trailing technique, it's just, it's not working, and all... That's literally a strategy. Like, when we're playing against teams, they're literally saying, hey, these guys do not know how to cover deep, so all you need to do is throw it 40 yards and you will get a pass interference. Like, that is a strategy that teams are employing against the 49ers. They know we do it. They know it. So they're like, hey, I'll huck it. It's third and long. They're not going to intercept it because we don't intercept it and we're not getting turnovers. If we were picking the ball off, it'd be different. But we're not. It's just third and long, huck it deep, we'll give you a 20-yard pass interference. Third and long, huck it deep, we'll give you a 30-yard pass interference. It's unacceptable. Whoever's coaching these DBs, like they need to get fired or a talking to or something because it's just straight up unacceptable. Uh, what else was bad? Ross Dwelly, he was bad. Just really bad blocking from Dwelly. This was one of his worst games. Uh, also, Marcel Harris. Ugh. I think I mentioned this earlier. I don't want to see Marcel Harris playing linebacker, put Hafanga in there. Unfortunately, Marcel Harris was out there playing linebacker, and he was terrible. Uh, oh, yeah, I mentioned Josh Norman. So Josh Norman, of course, he's in the good and the bad. So he's in the bad because he kept missing his gap assignments. Just terrible. Again, forces fumbles, tackles for loss, but then the rest of the time he's missing his assignments. Uh, Debo, Debo's also in the bad because Debo had a fumble where he was, it was third and long and Jimmy made the pass. He was about a yard short. He was trying to get the extra yard. Darius Leonard comes up, punched it out. So Debo lost a fumble. He also had the pass that Jimmy got intercepted on. And I went back and I, I watched that play a couple times. Muhammad Sanu was wide open on the other side. But to be fair, Jimmy had Debo one-on-one -on -one versus Xavier Rhodes. And if you're going to say, hey, I'm going to take my best guy in a one-on-one -on -one matchup, I get it. Like, I understand that. And he hit Debo in the chest. He hit Debo in the chest. So that was on Debo. You know, it hit him in the hands, hit him in the chest. If Debo would have reached his hands out and caught it away from his body and, you know, extended his arms, he could have boxed out the defender, made the catch, and it wouldn't have been an interception. Instead, he didn't try and reach out and pluck it out of the air. He let him hit it in the, he let it hit him in the chest. And the defender was able to knock the ball out, and then it got picked off for that interception. So that goes on Debo. And I've been very critical of Jimmy, but that specific interception was on Debo. It hit him in the chest, and he should have caught it. And we know that drops have been an issue for Debo, so just got to keep working on it, Debo. So much talent. Yeah, just, just ugly, ugly game. Just turnovers. We had eight three and outs. Just just gross. And that's another thing is all these three and outs. Um, the Niners 
three and outs, third downs. We had eight three and outs, and we were one of 11 on third down. One of 11. That is terrible. That's another reason why I want to put Trey in, is because when Trey was in against Arizona, we didn't have a whole bunch of three and outs. He was at least moving the ball. He was getting to the other side of the field. It wasn't a short three and out. It was five, six, eight play drives, and then there would be penalty, 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 and he'd have to play hero, and then we couldn't quite get it. But but Trey was moving the ball. He was getting it past the 50. Jimmy, just constant three and outs. So, yeah, just... It's not good. So yeah, that's pretty much what happened. It was not a good game and it's depressing and there was more bad than good. There was some good and the good news about the good is it's the, it's a lot of the young guys who are going to be here. Again, Aziz, awesome game. Love to see it. Elijah Mitchell, awesome. Keep giving him the ball. Nick Bosa, awesome. Keep it up. Charlie Warner, yes. Please keep blocking your ass off and making plays. But until this team shows that they can start... Oh, by the way, uh, who else was really bad? Dan Brunskill. Total liability. Dan Brunskill had, I think, the worst PFF grade on the team. Total liability. He was just getting wrecked, constantly giving up pressure. Mike McGlinchey had a solid game. He had a bounce-back game. And uh, I ragged on McGlinchey like hell against Arizona. He was a lot better versus the Colts. To be fair, the Colts don't have any edge rushers, which is probably why the reason why Jalen Moore wasn't a liability left tackle and Mike McGlinchey had a bounce back game. So, you know, that's at least positive. Mike McGlinchey had a better game. And some interesting news that just came out within the last day is that Khalil Mag is going to be out. So he will, McGlinchey won't have to go against Khalil Mack. And apparently J.J. Watt might be out for the season as well. So when we play the Cardinals in two weeks, he won't have to face J.J. Watt, who totally owned him last time. So Mike McGlinchey, congratulations, dude. Have yourself a day because you had a bounce back game. You don't have to face Khalil Mack and J.J. Watt the next two weeks, which is good news for you. So, I think that's pretty much it. I don't really know what else to say about this game other than, you know, it's it's unfortunately the exact same thing. And that's what I was really hoping it wouldn't be is the exact same thing. Right now, we're technically not out of the playoff race. We're technically only one game out. But this team, this is not a playoff team. They can't execute. There's no chemistry. It's not working. And... I think we've identified what the issues are. What are the issues? On the defense, pass interference. Fucking fix it. I don't know what the exact answer is. If it's like, you know, go ball drills where you're practicing go balls specifically. I don't know if it's practicing intercepting the ball. I don't know if it's changing the coverage, if it's a combination of all these things. Either way, you cannot keep giving up 50 yards of defensive pass interference a game. You just can't do that and expect to win. You're giving teams all this additional yardage for free. We had like 100 defensive pass interference yards this game. It's just unacceptable. If you fix that on defense... That's probably your biggest issue because the rest of the defense has played very well. Nick Nick Bosa is playing incredible. Eric Armstead is having probably his best or second best year of his career. Fred Warner is still amazing. Our defensive tackles are banged up a little bit, but you know what? If If your defensive tackles are just, you know, not elite, but they're just okay... That's okay. You know why? Because we've got some, a couple really damn good linebackers, some really good edge players. 
We've got a couple really good safeties. And if our corners would stop freaking getting defensive pass interference calls, this defense would still be a good defense. I don't think they're top 10, uh, especially when you factor in the penalties. I would say they're probably just below average or a little below average at this point. But it's a discipline issue. It's an assignment issue. It's a communication issue. And I don't know exactly how you fix it, but I can, at the very least, I can see what the issue is. And I would hope to God that our coaching staff also sees what the issue is and they're fixing it because from what I've seen, they're not fixing it. And that's, what's frustrating. I made a joke on Twitter that, uh, (laughs) that it was like, Hey, all those issues that we were, that we were had going into the bye week and we were going to fix them. No, no, we're just going to double down on all those mistakes. So that's the issues that we're having on defense. On offense, we got to switch over to Trey. We got to do it. Just Jimmy's terrible. He doesn't offer enough to make up for the rest of the team not being perfect. The team needs to be perfect for Jimmy Garoppolo to be successful. The team isn't perfect, and Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have anything that he brings to the table uh, that's going to elevate the team. And he's playing badly on top of that. Jimmy is a liability at quarterback at this point. So we got to get Trey in. And I'm hoping we're, I'm going to bring you the Chicago podcast here on Friday. I'll be putting that on on Friday. So watch for that. Um, I'm not rooting against the 49ers. What I am rooting for is Jimmy finally showing us that we can't rely on him anymore. I don't know what that means exactly, but I really hope that somehow we can win the game, but Jimmy Garoppolo is bad enough that Trey Lance starts the following week and that Trey Lance is healthy and they officially name him the starter after the Chicago game. However that goes, I just really hope that they're able that we switch to Trey Lance after the Chicago game. I understand not starting him this week because he hasn't practiced in two weeks. He's limited today and he's coming off of a knee injury. But if he is healthy and he is active versus Chicago, then I want them making the switch next week because Jimmy Garoppolo has been horrible. And here's the thing. If you make the switch to Trey, that gives you a whole lot of options. There's going to be growing pains, but you know what? He can make plays with his feet and he's got a huge arm. And I think at this point, he's going to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. You also get Kittle back after the Chicago game. Trent Williams should be pretty healthy by then. So you're getting back your best offensive lineman and you're getting back Kittle. You put Trey in there and then you can lean on the run game and focus on getting your identity. You can't keep doing this switching back and forth, not being sure who's going to be leading and blah, 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 blah. You just can't do that. It's not going to work. So that's what, that's what I'm really hoping happens. Um, but yeah, and then the struggles on offense, we need to do something at right guard. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but we need to figure out some way to make up for the fact that Dan Brunskill has played very badly this year. And it's kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo where Dan Brunskill has been playing worse and worse this year. And this is his worst year with the team. Like he's worse now than he was last year. And last year he was worse than the Super Bowl year two years ago. So Dan Brunskill is getting worse. He's now a complete liability. Mike McGlinchey has been up and down. Again, Mike McGlinchey versus the Arizona. That was like his worst game ever that I remember. Uh, This game he was solid. So we got to figure something out at right guard. I don't know what's going on with Aaron Banks. I, I really don't. I really don't. I don't know if he's not in shape or if he's just not good or if switching from left guard to right guard is difficult because it's apparently like switching from left-handed to right-handed. I don't know what it is, but somehow we need to figure out a way to scheme around our liability at right guard. 
lean on the run game, get Trey Lance going, get him comfortable. Because again, we are only one game out of the playoffs. If we can get hot at the right time, I'm not saying that we can make a Super Bowl run, but I do think that we can make a playoff run. If we stop with the defensive pass interference calls and we put Trey in there, Lance, and he starts getting comfortable and getting in some rhythm in the offense, that would at least provide some enthusiasm for this season. Because right now, this season looks like it's going down the drain. And coming off of the bye week, I expected them to fix their shit. And they didn't fix anything. They doubled down on it. And this was the ugliest game of the season. So, um, (laughs) it's hard to be positive talking about this game. My goodness. Either way, though, there were some good things. Um... So yeah, I will be back here in a couple days. Probably do a Friday one, get it posted. And then we got the game on Sunday versus the Bears. So I'll be doing my Bears preview podcast. I'll catch up on all the media, watch some Bears games. Don't know exactly how many, but I usually like to watch two or three or four games of the opponent just to kind of get an idea about what they look like. Uh, do a little bit of research before I come out here and start talking about stuff. Kind of want to get a, a little bit of an idea about what I'm talking about. So I will be back in a couple days. Um, yeah, you know what? It's not the end of the world. Again, it sucks when your team is on a four-game losing streak and everything looks bad. But the good news, we still have Trey. He's still the future. Jimmy's not going to be here next year. Josh Norman's not going to be here next year. All these liabilities should not be here next year. So let's just hope that we can start finding some positives in our young guys and we can get back in the win column. And hopefully that win column starts this weekend. So thank you for listening. Like, subscribe, comment, share, all that fun stuff. I'll catch you next time. Have an awesome day. Go Niners.